Drink it in, man. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! <laughs> Drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, what's going on, everybody? It's Friday, and we are back. And I got Grifka here. Grifka, what's going on, my man? Yeah, looking forward to the Chicago game on Sunday. Looking forward to it. You know, we've come off two losses. You know, everybody's down on the lines. Like, we'll probably get into it in this show, Grifka. But I'm so sick of, like, this flip-flopping. And this is why I yell at you a lot, too, is because, like, when they win a game or two, everyone's, like, a cloud nine. Then they lose a game or two, and, like, the world's over, and, like, this is the worst team ever in football. Like, I don't know what the record's going to be at the end of the year, but, you know, I if they go on, like, a five-game losing streak, I'm going to flip out. But, like, a couple games against, you know, some decent teams, I'm not going crazy. But, yeah, this is a huge game to get off the schneid in Chicago. No one's giving us a chance. Like, let's talk about it. Okay. Well, I have a couple things I want to ask you first. Uh I know we, you don't like harping on Golden Tate, and uh, I, I thought it was a big key, and he might have been a, a big key in the Minnesota game. But uh, um, I read that uh, you know Detroit actually made him an offer before they eventually traded him. Uh, what, did, do you think that would have been a bad move, or uh, are you happy that fell through, or uh, what, what do you think about that? Man, I've been talking about it since day one. Like, I don't know if Bobby Quinn is listening to this podcast or if he has my phone bugged, but like for all year, I've said, you know, Kenny Galladay was going to be an ascending top player. That's happened. Like, I've been saying since Hughes fell in love with Golden Tate to trade him before it's too late and let these young guns go. He did that. Um, You know, I told him to make a big trade and bring in a, a good defensive player. He went out and got snacks. Like, I feel like they probably just made Tate an offer to save face and to probably try to almost like put him under the gun saying, okay, you know, it's about to be the trade deadline. We have some offers in place. We wouldn't mind keeping you, but I bet you that offer was nowhere near what he thinks he's worth. But it was a way to kind of say, we got some leverage. Let's try to use it. Maybe get him for, you know, eight, nine, and at the most, instead of this 13 to 15, like they're talking. So, yeah, I'm glad it didn't happen. I can see why that would come out now and why they would do it. But I think it was just a leverage play of, you know, maybe we can get him to sign. He's comfortable here. The deadline's coming up. And uh, when he didn't agree or he thinks he can make top dollar, then it was pretty easy to make that trade and get that nice third rounder. So I'm totally happy with how it turned out. Okay, and then uh, just wanted to uh, ask you one other question here. Uh, after uh, when their special teams coordinator was fired, and uh, a lot of people started questioning, you know, JBC, you know, could he be next? And uh, Matt Pat gave him the uh, dreaded vote of confidence. It always seems like that is the death nail when somebody's boss gives them the vote of confidence, either the GM or the owner says, no, this is going to be our head coach for a while. It seems within like two or three weeks within the season, the guy's gone. Um, do you think uh, JBC is the next to go, even with the dreaded vote of confidence from Matt Patricia saying he likes where the offense is at? Well, where I sit with that is 
you know, I went off on JBC last podcast, you know, on the Wednesday show, you know, right now where I sit with them is I'm real frustrated with the creativity of this offense. I don't feel it's explosive. I feel like there's a lot of aw shucks attitude when you hear um, JBC, Matt Stafford, all these guys just kind of, oh, you know, we're just going to work on the uh, fundamentals. Oh, you know, every game's different, all this stuff. I mean, I think he's here for the year. I, I, he wasn't a Patricia guy. He was here. They brought him back. I think this is kind of just a year to see. I don't see him going anywhere, or even if he did. It's not like you have anybody good in place. It's not like there's a young coordinator underneath of them that I'm excited about. It's not like there's an experienced coordinator on this staff that you could slide in and feel better about. So, I mean, I don't mind him staying the year, but if, if he doesn't produce and they don't get more dynamic or get more explosive and creative – definitely has to go and they have to get in somebody here that you know either has done it or a guy that's just new and really innovative and I don't care if the new guy like likes Stafford if they are buddies if they're you know if he has a good coaching you know temperament for Stafford I just want a guy that like draws up a great offense scores touchdowns and wins games for us helps us win games and it's getting to that point where if JBC is not that guy, you know, I don't think firing him now does much for the team. So I'm not really a fan of it, but I mean, if they had a plan and could bring somebody in, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in for keeping him like I was back in the day when he seemed like he was getting some stuff going. So, I mean, he's probably next to go, but I don't think it's coming right down the shoot. I think Matt Pat too has a bigger pitcher than a lot of these people who like we have two three bad games or let's say we lose the next two games so it's like four in a row I mean that's all you'll hear about is gotta get rid of the offensive coordinator the quarterback has to go it's like does that help us win the next few games I don't think so uh yeah I want to agree with you on that uh that uh um I think uh JVC is like one of those things like yeah he wasn't Matt Pat's guy and I still think somewhere in the back rooms, it was like Stafford wanted to keep him around. It's like, hey, I'm comfortable with this guy. I like what he runs. I like what he does. What he does. But if this but if continues this to look this way and that, you know, stagnant offense and, you know, struggling in the red zone, they can do whatever they want. They can go get another tight end, you know, one that's more dangerous in the red zone or, you know, bringing another slot receiver or something like that to give, you know, Matt Stafford another weapon. But um, I'm believing if this – offense doesn't improve some, you know, dramatically, Matt Pat's going to go find his own guy. And uh, JBC is going to be shown the door. So it's the, the offense isn't like the greatest show on turf, you know, where they're just, you know, Mike Mars is chucking the ball around and throwing up, you know, massive points every game. This There's points where they're like on the field and they're like, they're at like, the, you know, they're, the opponent's 40-yard line. And I look at it, I'm like, Gosh, they're still 40 yards away from an end, you know, the end zone. And it's like, oh man, 40 yards, we got this. You know, it's just like, it seems like there's, like we had discussed, there's no chunk plays. Everything's just like a methodical, you know, real short and very plodding down the field. And, you know, maybe that's what Matt Pat wants, but they're not scoring enough points. So if something doesn't turn around, I, I could see a JBC being gone come, come the end of the year. But uh, that's enough on JBC news and notes. You got anything else you want to touch on before we start talking about this uh, game in uh, the Windy City this weekend? Um, 
not too much uh, new, you know, just still dealing with these injuries, not not sure where the O-line is going to be. You know, I've been touting for a couple weeks, like, hey, okay, Golden Tate's gone. Are we going to see anything from Brandon Powell? Is Bruce uh, Ellington, the new signee, going to bring any juice sooner than later? Or is he just going to kind of be a bottom of roster, you know, hey, takes a little while to get up to speed guy. You know, those are the things I'm interested in, but – you know, the biggest thing is just, like I said last show, about uh, feed our studs. You know, let's feed some of our young up-and-coming talent and uh, get this offense humming. And I think the defense has been a bit better. So if if the offense could do what we thought it would do at the beginning of the year, we wouldn't be getting beaten all these ball games. So well, let's go. Let's get it here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, just jump right into it then. Talking about the game this weekend in the, you know, the Windy City, the second city. Shy town this uh, team that we thought would be a total dog at the beginning of the year, somebody we'd be able to whoop up on twice is, uh, you know, n- you know, near the top of the division. It's playing a lot better than what I thought it would. Um, the defense with the addition of uh, Cleo Mack seems to be once again, you know, monsters of the midway. Um, you know, somebody's given, I don't know where it is. This defense is getting a lot of credit. I was watching um, this week, you know, on NFL Network. They always do like their starts and you know start them and sit them, and you know on the sit them, number one quarterback to sit, Matt Stafford. Number one running back to sit, on Johnson. Number one wide receiver to sit, Kenny Galladay. I'm not kidding. I, I saw them just like, wow, man. I guess you know the Lions' offense is really that bad, or the Bears' defense is really that good. Um, what what do you think about this Bears defense and the renewed the rejuvenance that the Khalil Mack trade has given these guys? Somebody like we thought they'd be able to score on, all of a sudden they're making these guys sound like the monster of the midway, and the Lions are going to score five points. <laughs> um, well, like you say, I've uh, we got our frustrations out on the Wednesday show. Here we are on Friday. Like I'm hearing the same things you are. I'm seeing all this stuff. Chicago's been. You know, I think they put up 40-plus of another 40-burger last week, and they only had, I think it was like two offensive TDs and like a couple defensive and just kind of fell into those kind of points. So, I mean, they're getting a lot of credit. Khalil Mack's an absolute beast. I mean, if our offensive line plays like they did against Minnesota, I mean, it's another debacle on the road. But I, I think they'll sure some things up. Will they be able to deal with Khalil Mack? You know, I don't know. He's coming off an injury and uh, – just one of those primo players so we'll kind of have to see what you know how the lions deal with a guy like that because he's going to be in our division for a long time but as usual i'm going the opposite way of the crowd because every every week when i watch nfl football there's no way to predict it i mean they got people beating teams they should never beat you got scores that you would never predict you've got players coming out of the woodwork that you would never have starting in your fantasy team do well so I mean, the NFL, you just cannot predict it at all. Everybody's saying the Lions are going to lose and sit all these players. I'm going the other way, man. I think the Lions got beat so bad and just kind of demoralized in Minnesota that they know this is another division game. They know Chicago's riding high. They know that you're going into somebody else's house. It should be hostile. Like, I think they're just going to come out and drop a bomb on Chicago. I mean, we'll get to the predictions and things later, but I think – the Lions have the players to eat up this defense, and I'm expecting them to be uh, explosive, kind of out of nowhere, where people will be like, wow, where's this been? That's what I'm expecting. Well, Cleo Mack obviously is like giving this defense some rejuvenating confidence that uh, 
feels like they can play with anybody. And I know a lot of who's, people uh, say that. Who's Khalil Mack remind you of Grifka? I mean, he's uh, I want to say he, he's he's very Lawrence Taylor esque. Let's put it that way. But he's not he's not in the same. They're not in the same ballpark. But he's like pretty. He's like standing right outside that ballpark. I mean, he's uh, he's 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 really really good. It's one of those things like you know maybe the Bears gave up a little too much, but it shows that they're going for it. It just seems like something lines never do. They never just seem to go for it. But um. I know there's always like bravado on teams and, you know, when, you know, the camp starts in August, like, Oh yeah, I'm you know happy with our team. You know, defense would be like, yeah, we can play with anybody, but you know, a lot of that, as, as the season starts to wear on, you see like, yeah, that's just talk. Cause everybody wants to sound like that, you know, to their fans, you know, in August and, you know, they have to realize, you know, there, there's guys in the locker room got to realize like, yeah, we're not as good as this team, but it seems like Khalil Mack has come into Chicago and, this defense is definitely taking a, you know, a few steps up from where I thought it would be. I thought the Lions would be able to score points on them. And and I know that it seems like they always play them tough in Chicago, but it, it seems like the Lions have always kind of been able to sneak away with a win, even though the games have been close. But, you know, uh, Khalil Mack has definitely seemed to give this, give this defense a, a shot of confidence in life that makes them very difficult. And but but you just came out and said you thought the Lions would be able to drop a bomb, and, you know? Don't you think maybe maybe after the last game, and it seems even after the Seattle game, Matt Stafford seems to be like a little gun shy in the pocket, you know, either holding the ball too long or maybe looking for you know starting to look for a soft place to fall a little earlier. You know, we all we I know we talked about it last podcast with him pitching the ball to carry on so he wouldn't take the hit. I mean, you think maybe Matt Stafford's just a little gun shy? That's what I'm saying, Chris. Like, you, I rag on you most shows because, like, you will wait for a guy to, like, show you he's good and he'll say, hey, this guy's good. It's like, yeah, no kidding. Or you'll, like, look at all these, like, where people are trending and, like, oh, the Lions have lost the last two. I'll predict and lose this one then because they're not playing good. I'm telling you, the NFL is absolutely ridiculous as far as competitive and totally unpredictable. So, I'm not like looking at all these indicators going. And again, look at my opinion on most things. Do I think because he was gun shy last week that he'll be gun shy this week? No, I feel like that game was its own entity. It's over with like, I, I wouldn't be shocked at this game. They basically give up barely any sacks and he, and he just threads the needle and we're like, wow, we're bragging on our quarterback. And then he shows up and plays incredible again. So I don't know why I just have that feeling like him carry on, some plays from Kenny, uh, Theo, just all these guys are going to show up and we're going to play really well in this game. And none of these trends that everyone's looking at are going to matter because it's a whole new week, any given Sunday, son. Okay. So if if you think he could come back, I mean, I know you're always like this game doesn't affect the next game and the previous game doesn't affect, you know, anything, but, it can start to be a trend and even though he's been around the league for 10 years, it can really affect his confidence. If he's not trusting his offensive line to be able to block for him, to give him enough time to find open guys or, you know, the offensive line's not opening holes for the running backs where it falls more on his shoulders to move the ball. So, I mean, you can say, Oh, last weekend, he'll be able to put it behind him. He's a pro, but you know, that's, it's happened to plenty of guys that they come in, you know, even the guys that have been around for a while, they can, they just start getting beat on and, you know, they have to like, okay, this team's not going anywhere this year. We, you know, there's a point in the season, you know, 
I don't want to say they mail it in, but you know, we have talked about this in the past on previous podcast, ding, that uh that uh even though the even though they've been around for a while, they've been through the battles. It's just it's like, yeah, we know this team's not going anywhere. And they're gonna be like, I just gotta go out there and play. I'm gonna be on the team next year. But, you know, I'm I don't feel like going out there and getting the crap kicked out of me again. So yeah, I'm not going to stand in the pocket and wait for you know, the long developing plays to develop. I'm going to try to find the check downs. I'm going to dish it off to the running back, you know, just, just things like that. So that's where I'm thinking Stafford may be gun shy. I mean, he didn't look that great against Seattle. He looked, you know, even worse against Minnesota and he's in a tough environment this week to play in Chicago with against a good defense. So, you know, it may be another one of those things where it just looks ugly and, you know, part of that falls back on, you know, like I said, him not trusting his offensive line. Uh, do you think the offensive line, you know, we, we talked about them bouncing it back against Minnesota and that didn't happen. Do you think maybe it could be this week against Chicago where they look like they did against Miami? You know, they could do that against Chicago instead of looking like just a porous, you know, nobody blocking anybody like they did against Seattle and Minnesota. Do you think the O-line can come back to where we thought they'd be? Well, before I get to that, Griff guy, I owe you one. I missed, I missed a ding. Now, if anybody's new out there, months, weeks and weeks, Grifka has been saying the same funny catch lines, the same thing about the 1970s Lions, telling me about all these Reggie Whites of the world. So we finally got a Grifka bell. Anytime he hits one of his phrases or he hits something that I think uh, is one of his go-tos, we're hitting the bell, having some fun with it. So anybody that's new is listening, that's what we got going on. Now, Grifka, you just ran down for multiple minutes about what I just said, which is you just ran through all the trends, all the easy stuff to look at going, okay, he didn't play well in Minnesota. We already talked about that. That was one game. Now, he didn't play that well against uh, Seattle either, but he didn't didn't get killed by the old line in that game like he did in Minnesota. So those are different scenarios. Like one is is no protection. The other one, he just kind of wasn't on – top of his game like I don't know I just don't see it snowballing I feel like as long as the offensive line that was a one-off for them I mean this isn't a big trend where it's been multiple games in a row so when that like one-off stuff happens you gotta like have it happen multiple times before I start going crazy about it um so if they show up in Chicago tighten up the O-line and Matt Stafford starts throwing BBs all over the field I mean to me that's that NFL just hey these are NFL players. They're up ready to roll. So, yeah, I think the O-line can get it together, and I think the quarterback, I mean, he's the type of guy where, I mean, I don't see things snowballing. The only thing I see is that are we a good enough team to beat Chicago in Chicago right now, you know, with how we're playing as a team. Now, again, we'll get to our predictions, but I think that's the biggest question. And then more so than what happened in previous weeks, I'm just going to be watching that weather forecast because I know in Chicago they can have those crazy winds and weather. Like, I think if we go into Sunday and it's just wind swirling and rain or whatever, like, yeah, it's going to be hard to throw the football like I'm predicting now. But if we have decent weather and, hey, it's a new Sunday, we play Chicago all the time, they got a better team this year, there's still no reason we can't go in there and beat them. I mean, we've dominated them the last few years. So, you know, each week is its own, and I'm just taking this week as, hey, you know, we're not playing great football, but that shouldn't impact this game, I don't think. Okay. I guess that's a wait and see. I guess trends are trends for a reason. 
and uh, that's why they're called trends because they tend to string along and snowball into uh, you know bigger problems and uh, show more of your warts than uh, you know your one-off games. So, uh, but do you watch? Do you watch the NFL Griff Club? You do, right? Yeah. Do you ever like see trends and then like all of a sudden you're watching going, oh, there's no way this team can win. And then they just go whoop on the team they were supposed to get beat up by. Or do you ever see guys that are running the football really well? And you're like, oh, man, there's no way this guy's going to not have a good game. And he has like, you know, six carries for 12 yards and no touchdowns. Like it happens every week in the NFL that the trends, as you call them, stop. And the and the new trends start of like wow this team was playing terrible hey they just ripped off three in a row like it happens every week every year so I mean it goes the other way too you can say trends happen but I'm telling you every week I watch I think I got it all figured out and then I look at my picks or I look at my fantasy or I look at my team the Lions and I go I had no idea there's no way I expected that to happen but it's it's harder to pull yourself out of a nosedive than it is if you're riding high to stay high. If you if you're loaded with confidence and your confident trend, you know, like you said, you lose a couple games in a row and you, you don't look very good, and the next, you know, the third game you get a couple breaks your way and you pull one out, then the next game, you know, you play it a little better and you keep it going, and you're on, you're on the ascent. I mean, it's easier to stay there as opposed to like, okay, didn't have a good game. The next game, gosh, that's the second bad game in a row. Third one, gosh, we just didn't look good again. You start to question yourself, the confidence. I mean, it's harder to pull yourself out of a nosedive. And I know you're always harking back to like, oh, these guys are pro athletes and blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't matter. Sports is sports. And if you lose confidence, it's it's hard to get it back. You can say like, well, well, they're, they're going to put that game behind them. That's just rhetoric, man. After a while, I mean, you know, and you always hear those things like, oh, athletes are just tired of losing. Well, I'm sure the lines who went winless were tired of losing too, but they just didn't have the freaking talent to do anything about it. They won't win. So, like I said, trends are trends for a reason. And you can say the previous game doesn't affect this game. And I know we differ on that because I think it does. You know, things snowball. And you're right, trends change. You know, a couple breaks go your way and things happen. But it's harder to pull yourself out of a nosedive. And where this team has looked – you know, for as good as they looked in, in Miami the last two games, they've looked that bad. You know, we you know, we thought they'd be closer, and like now what? It's like a it's a seven and a half point spread or something like that in Chicago. I mean, is, is are the Bears really that good? Does Mitchell Trubisky really put the fear of God in you? Like where you got to like, oh my gosh, we we got to worry about this guy. I mean, do you think you think Mitchell Trubisky is going to lead these guys to like a eight point win or you know? And I know he's talked ten points is a lot in a, in, in a pro game, but does Mitchell Trubisky really fear you? Know, fear you? <laughs> oh man, I don't even know where to start. I want to start at the end where he said, "Does he fear you?" I, I think you got that phrase wrong, Grifka, because like I said before, he doesn't fear me or you. Like, doesn't the phrase go, do you fear Mitchell Trubisky? Isn't that the way it goes? I mean, he doesn't fear you, of course, but we might fear him. I mean, like, so here, here's my thing on what you said. Again, you went through the trends. This is definitely where we differ. I had to bell you on snowball because I was going to say, do we have to go back to our snowball argument, Grifka, where you think everything piles on top of each other, everything impacts it. Oh, I had a bad day on Tuesday, so my Wednesday is going to be terrible. Like, I just overall don't think it works that way. I feel like at the end of the year, if the Lions end up, you know, with five, six wins, 
you're going to say like, oh, everything piled up, like we lost, we, we lost our mojo. I'm going to probably just look at you and say like, we didn't have enough talent yet. We're in year one of Matt Pat and the team wasn't consistent. They couldn't stop the run. We didn't have enough explosive plays. I'll give you all these reasons, but my main reason isn't going to be, oh, you know, we lost uh, three, four games there. So the rest of the year, they just couldn't get it together. Like, I think these guys literally take it one game at a time. I feel like, yes, it's great when you're winning games, you get a little bit of mojo, but also when you're losing, like you're a little bit down, but I mean, unless you're playing, like if they're playing the chiefs this week, I'd probably be like, Oh yeah, we're going to get smoked. Cause like they have a crazy offense and our defense is still getting it together. But when we're playing Chicago and Chicago, it's like they have a little bit better run game and some receivers, but you know, their offense doesn't scare me and their defense is just, you know, it's better off the edges and, and they have a nice rookie linebacker, but I'm just not scared. It's, it's not a team that I would go in just chalking it up as a loss. So like you say, we'll differ on those points, but we'll just see what they do on Sunday. That'll be the big show and tell It's like they come out and they play absolutely terrible again, then I'll tip my cap to you. But if they come out and play a great game and are right in it and either win it or lose it, but look a lot better and way different than they did in Minnesota, then you'll have to tip your cap to me of that. Hey, not every week doesn't bleed into the next week, man. Just doesn't. Okay, but uh, I guess you, so. You don't think Mitchell Trubisky is that great a quarterback? Is I guess that's my question. Uh, you know, do you do, do you just think he's another guy, or do you uh, think he's he, he could he could be something that uh, would uh, pick a pick the Lions' defense apart? I mean, overall as a player, I just think he's a. He's a mid to upper mid tier type quarterback. You know, he has weapons which help him. He's able to make a lot of plays with his feet this year, which is sometimes kills the Lions. You know, they have a guy like Tariq Cohen, who's a, a explosive kind of screen, you know, dynamic running back that I could see hurting us. But no, Mitchell Trubisky's not a guy that I'm afraid of or that I think he, we have no chance against him. I expect him to maybe turn the ball over a couple times. That could help us win this football game. But, I mean, he's no slouch either. He's been playing pretty good this year. He's finding ways to win, and you got to give him that. But, no, I don't think he's very good, and he definitely doesn't scare me, and I'm sure the Lions aren't going in worrying about him first and foremost. I mean, they better be worrying about Cleo Mack off the edge. They better be worrying about how to stop Howard and, and Cohen and and deal with some of these guys they have on the outside with them all banged up or – even if they're not banged up, you know, they're just been terrible opposite of Slay, you know, but, you know, those are the things you got to worry about. But yeah, no, Mitchell Trubisky, he's just a young guy that's mid to upper mid and, and that's probably his ceiling. You know, I don't ever see him being a top level dynamic quarterback. No. Okay. So uh, if uh, the Lions passing defense can, you know, kind of put the clamps on Trubisky, what do you think the – I mean, even with snacks, what do you think uh, against uh, Cohen and Howard? What do I think they'll do against Cohen and Howard? Is that what you said? Yes. Well, I kind of just laid it out. I mean, uh, Howard sort of written off, and then last week again – perfect example how the NFL everyone's like oh you know uh, Jordan Howard I don't know they're trending where he's getting weeded out what is the last week he has you know two touchdowns 100 yards whatever he had he had a a good 
much. And then Tariq Cohen, oh, he's trending up. He's going to be the guy. He's explosive. He had like one carry, one catch, something ridiculous where he just had absolutely no numbers. So that just shows you that Sunday every week, you know, these guys are just doing something that, you know, the other team won't expect, the fans won't expect. So I, I think when you're dealing with these running backs, you know, Howard's a, a bigger guy. He's He's tough to stop when they're close to the end zone. And the Lions have been pretty terrible over the years with dealing with screen passes, you know, ends to running backs. They always seem to catch us, get our guys in space, and we just get eat up by some of those type of plays. So they better be on their P's and Q's with these guys because it's a nice one-two punch. And and Howard doesn't really scare me from a dynamic level, which used to be good. It was like, hey, okay, he's pretty good, but he can't really get in game breakers or he can't be this by himself, but with that little fellow back there, I mean, he's a guy that can go 70 yards to the house and I sure hope that doesn't happen on Sunday. Yeah. Even with uh snacks, I, it seems like he, he, he's made some plays and tackles, but uh, still the run defense is lacking. So I know the bears was it uh, long was put on IR this week. And I think he's always been kind of like their last few years, been their best offensive lineman. So that helps Detroit some, but, Still, I think they're going to have their hands full. You know, we're trying to stop Cohen and Howard. You know, I, I know last podcast you mentioned how Davis was playing better, but I, I don't think he had that good a game against Minnesota. Um, once again, maybe that's just kind of a, a one-off, and he'll rebound against uh, against Chicago. But uh, I, I just think Cohen the Lions are going to have a hard time covering him. I don't think they have linebackers that are fast enough to cover him, um, even on the backfield. I, I don't know. I think they're just going to have a really hard time stopping those guys. And uh, they'll probably try to load up the box. I think the Lions are going to try to load up the box. I made, you know, uh, Trubisky beat him with his arm. But uh, still, I, I think stopping the run game is going to be a difficult thing for Detroit come Sunday. They just uh, – those those running backs, I know we talked about them in the early in the year and even in the preseason. That was probably going to be like the make or break guys for the the Bears offense, and it seems like they've been doing that this year. And uh, Trubisky's been like, you know, just don't lose us the game. And like you said, he has thrown some picks, but and the defense has uh, won a lot of games for Chicago as well. But um, I think stopping that run game is going to be the most difficult thing that the Lions are going to have to face this weekend. And we'll see. I mean, if, if you're asking me one of the toughest, it's going to be de- defending whoever's T's or Nevin Lawson is guarding because that's been an absolute just tire fire, as Matt Derry would say. I mean, these guys not only can't cover when they are there, all they do is grab and hold, and it's just it's just an embarrassment every time the ball goes their way. So that's what I'm worried about. But uh, Paul Pasqualoni said, you know, Teas is improving. He likes where he's going. And Nevin Lawson, he he's a competitor. He uh, he fights for everything. Oh boy! So, Paul Pascaloni wears Mother Goose glasses down on his nose. I take nothing he says seriously. <laughs> yeah, that's the that that's like one of those things. Like what I listen to those talks and he, I watch the um was it those college senior bowls? Cause uh, you know, it's one of those things you, you see guys that you don't get to see a whole lot, especially at small schools. And you know, there's, there's certain things, you know, when they ask you about certain guys and like, what do you think about, you know, this quarterback or what do you think about this guy? If the first thing like the coach or whatever brings up, it's like, we really like his intangibles. 
because I've heard that before. It's like, oh, it's like a guy's like, oh, will this guy make a roster? You know, they talk about, will this guy get drafted? And like, the guy goes to the senior bowl and they're like, well, what do you think about this guy? And they're like, well, we really like his intangibles. You know, when, when a coach says that, it means they suck at what they think they're going to do. Like, if you, if you, if you like talking about a quarterback and you're like, oh, we, we like his intangibles. That means he's horrible at, you know, running an offense, you know, because he obviously can't read a defense or anything like that. So when Paul Pascoloni sits there and says, you know, like, well, we really think Tease is improving. We watch the tape. He's improving. And Nevin Lawson's a fighter. We really think, he, you know, he's, he's a fighter. It means they suck at what they're, what you're paying them to do because you can't you can't say, like, yeah, you know, when it's not like they're saying that about Darius Slay. It's like, yeah, he shuts down only half the field. You know, yeah. I mean, they don't say that they they're looking for like, well, yeah, he he fights really hard. Well, congratulations. I'm glad he's out there fighting, but he's terrible. You know, and the same with table he's improving. We, we like his trajectory. Well, you know, this is like, you know, you know, very slow. I mean, where did you expect him to be at? Because if he's like near where you expect him to be at, like how many more years before he's good? Because he's he, that guy's chasing plays. That's that's all I ever see him do. He's always two steps behind the guy catching the ball. So that's the way I kind of feel about when they say stuff like, "Oh, well, he tries hard and he's improving and he really fights." It means like, "Oh, because he sucks at what you actually want him to do." You're you're trying to find the best thing to say about him. And when, like I said, like, "Oh, what do you think about this quarterback? We like his intangibles." Oh, okay, because he sucks. He can't throw the ball. So uh, that's kind of what I felt about those comments. I got it. I got another person's opinion on T's and Evan Lawson. You want to hear him? Yeah. All right, hold on. Let me get him on the line here. Okay. Yeah. I think I think this is a more realistic uh, take on T's and Evan Lawson. That's pitiful. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful to, to perform like that. Pitiful. Suck. Stop. There you go. That's that's an opinion I respect from the good old Jim Mora about those two guys. Like, Tease has been terrible. Nevin's been terrible. There's nothing good. They're not trending in the right direction. Like, I wouldn't mind Tease getting beat, but he hasn't made any plays, like, impactful picks or turnovers like we thought he would. Nevin Lawson, we've seen this year in, year out. The guy's way too handsy. I mean, he's sort of in position, but he's never making plays. Always getting his pass interferences, so... Yeah. It is what it is, man. Like you say, that's just window dressing by the coaches trying to – that's the best they got right now. But, yeah, that's our biggest worry, man, is how they're going to f- plug that hole uh, on Sunday so we don't we don't get flooded with uh, passes on us over those guys. Okay. Well, uh, we talked about this game a little bit, offense, defense, what the Lions need to do. Uh, how do you see this game going on Sunday? I mean – We've talked about it all show. Every trend is Lions have no chance. They're not going to be able to do anything offensively. The Bears defense, they're the one of the top teams in the North, ba 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 ba. Everything on my brain tells me that they're not playing good football. It should be a tough road game. There's really no way they can get it. And then I thought, hey, I'm on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, Griff I'm a Lions fan. I feel like everybody thought it might happen last week where all the indicators were saying, you know, they're not going to win and they were going to come in and get it. Instead, they did what the pundits thought, which was go in and not play very well and get beat. So I think this is a game, again, the up-down theory, the NFL, where everything's pointing the wrong direction. I don't see why the Lions don't be, aren't motivated to come in there. 
beat a Bears team who's probably riding high and do it in kind of crazy fashion. Like, if the weather is good, which, again, I don't know what it's going to be like in Chicago. I haven't looked yet. But if the weather's good there, I feel that they come in. Matt Stafford plays a lot better. You know, there might be a sack here or there, but nothing like we saw in Minnesota. I heard a lot of comments from Carry on that he was frustrated with how he's played or, you know, there's no excuses on why he's getting stopped. and not. So it's been a couple games since he's run the ball well. He didn't forget how to run the ball, and he, he didn't slow down at all. So, you know, I may be crazy, but I'm just thinking Lions come in, maybe put up 30 on this team, and win, uh, like, you know, I think it would be closer. Like, if we score 30, you know, I still don't know that we're there defensively. So I think the Bears probably score anywhere from 24 to 28. But, you know, I'm putting the Lions at 33, Bears 28 in this game. Wow. I guess I didn't see that coming. I thought uh, it'd be more of a slugfest for you. But, um, oh, okay. Uh, I kid, uh, like you said. You've I... said that with every one of my predictions. You always say you never see it coming. Yeah. Here here we go. Let the people know why they're going to lose, Grifka, why you hate no, the I Lions. Mean, uh, you're on the Kool-Aid cast. Like you said. Why uh, the trends are showing that they're not going to do it. Like, like I said, uh, you know, I, I agree with you that I could see the Bears putting up 24, 28 points. Uh, I really could. But until they show me something against a, de- a decent defense, I, I don't, uh, I don't see the line scoring no thirty-three points. I mean, I we had this conversation with a friend. Was it I um had a conversation with a friend last week when they were before the Minnesota game, and it's like he, he kind of did what you did. He goes, they'll go up and win that game because it's because it's unexpected. It's it's the lines are unpredictable. I mean, uh, you know, every week something else happens. So he he went along. He's like, he, he took the lines to beat Minnesota. And I'm just like, well, I don't know. You know, Minnesota's pretty tough. And, you know, I, I, I thought it'd be a lot closer than what it was. But, uh, I mean, you heard my prediction. And still, I mean, I, I know it's an unpredictable game. But I just, until the lines show me some trend where they're going to go out and throw, throw up 33 points. I mean, I don't, I don't see them scoring that much. I mean, I'm, I'm going to take the Bears in this game. I got them winning this game probably uh, – uh, 23 to uh, 14. I'm taking the Bears win in 23-14 in Chicago. Oh, you're, you're just letting the people down again, Grifka. Give, give them the tagline. You might as well do it. Do you think the Lions will win, Grifka? Do I want them to give win? To yes. Do I expect them to? No. There, there it is, people. That That's, that's Grifka's classic. He's always... I want them to do well, but I don't think they will. Oh, I'd love them to win this Sunday, but they won't. They're going to get blown out. He covers both sides, everybody. He thinks too much with his head, not with his heart. I put him in the Kool-Aid cast. I don't know if he's even ever tasted the Honolulu Blue You're right. Kool-Aid. I think with my head. Just looking at the records. Like you said, I think with my head and not my heart. I realize that I, 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 my heart would be like, oh, gosh, please go on and win. But do I see him doing it? No, because my head's like, Mike, that's not going to happen. I mean – that's not going to happen. So uh, just got that, got that uh, lion's loser mentality. Got that. Uh, oh, woe is me. Got that old Grifka. Oh, it's, we've, uh, it's a happened for decades. Why would it change now? I gotta, I'm wearing out the bell Grifka with all these things. And then when they win next week, you'll be right back on saying, wow, they play a lot better. I don't know. Maybe something changed. I'm back. Got them back in the playoffs. Like, I've seen this story before. No, we know how it goes. No, no they're, they're not making the playoffs this year. They got way too many losses with what they have left. <laughs> so that's not happening. Okay. They're not, they're well, not, they're not okay. going to roll off seven wins here all of a sudden. That's just not going to happen. 
But uh, good luck. All right. Well, okay. I'm glad you're drinking the Kool-Aid. But everybody, I got our Lions uh, getting a W. Again, I'm the uh, fan favorite on this podcast, Grifka, and this is why. Because you're just uh, you're too negative for the people. You're looking at it too logically. You're just, you know, down on the team because the team is down when really you should be up because they're our team. And uh, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Let's get a W in Chicago. There's no reason this team uh, – should beat us. We've dominated them. They're just the Chicago Bears. What is the guy in 97? Chicago. You know, that's what I'm thinking. We go in and say Chicago and just well, whoop their tail. No, Let's go. no, I realize the state of Michigan just legalized, you know, recreational marijuana use, but I'm, I want to know what you're taking, you know, because you're always like, not- oh, man, they're going to go in there and kick their butt. They're not, the, they're not that great. You know, Minnesota's not that great. Not this that is the this is the Detroit Kool Aid cast, Griffka. This is what well, I you do. You must be All popping I'm something jo- funny in your Kool Aid that you're drinking. You must be giving me the clean stuff because, like I said, I'm, I'm thinking with my head. Just Honolulu blue flavor, Grifka. That's all I need. And uh, like you say, it's been a tough season, and this team is in not the best of situations. But again, I'm predicting a win in Chicago, and against all odds, man, any given Sunday, let's go. Okay. Well, no, we know how both uh both of us think on this game. Let's uh let's move on here and let's go through a few questions here. Uh, got got some things here. You know, nothing from our fans, but uh, it's like uh, started to think about like how you always kind of like make fun of me. You got the bell, you know, like oh my old school guys, you know that I always keep bringing up. And but I want to do something this week, like um, who would you rather have? Now I'll bring up somebody that you know that I I think you've seen. Or at least at least know something about know their Detroit Lions career, and I'm not talking who would you rather have Barry Sanders or Carry On Johnson, duh, duh, obviously, you know I'm not going that way. Give me um, Carry On. Yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> Shut up. I'm not talking right now, and I still think Barry Sanders would be able to rush Carry On even right now. Carry Carry On's cheaper. Yeah, yeah, he's cheaper, man. <laughs> he'll be good for three years as opposed to the ten years we had Barry. Um, Younger and cheaper. Okay, well, you said he'd be here for ten years. I didn't say. That. Okay, so I'm talking former <laughs> Lions players in their prime against guys that we have now. Who who yeah. would you take? You know, if you had like you know this guy in his prime against this guy, who who would you take? Okay. Okay. Let's start off with somebody. We'll go fan favorite. Just gotten to put in the pride of the Lions. You know, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Herman Moore or Marvin Jones? Uh, this one's this one's pretty easy for me. I mean, I'm a new age guy, but I mean, Herman Moore was no joke. I mean, he put up numbers. He was consistent. He was a guy that was established in the NFL. To me, like when they signed Marvin Jones, I wasn't high on it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like when they signed him, I was kind of like, oh, no. Now, since he's been here in the Lions uniform, he's been a bit better than I expected. I mean, knew he was kind of a smooth athlete and and whatnot and was kind of hitting that prime of his career. And, and he's been pretty good in the Lions uniform, but, I mean, he's no 84, no Herman Moore, so I'm going to go with Herm on this one, no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you on there. I mean, Herman Moore was probably a top five receiver for probably – I mean, it was a smaller stretch. I mean, it was probably like, you know, it was a three, four years there. Herman Moore is probably one of the top five receivers in the league. Um, it's one of those things I, you know, when people always say like the Lions just kind of wasted, you know, Barry Sanders career away, they wasted Calvin Johnson's career away. I mean, some people just forget about Herman Moore and the way, uh, 
You know, like, I mean, he was just, you know, by far the number one wide receiver on this team. I mean, they had a nice compliment with Brett Perriman at one point, you know, Johnny Morton, but Herman Moore was still the number one guy. There wasn't a debate on who it was. And like I said, with him being, you know, a top five receiver in the league at some, you know, probably like a three, four stretch he was. I don't see Marvin Jones ever doing that. You know, maybe the game's changed a little bit and a lot more passing even now than what there was, you know, when Herman Moore played. But that that still wasn't too long ago. You know, it wasn't ancient history. So, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's, it's, I would take Herman Moore in this prime over Marvin Jones in his prime. Um, let's flip to the other side of the ball here really quick. And I know you've heard me talk about this guy before. I mean, this one might be a little tougher for you. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have your boy who never touches the field, Ziggy, or Robert Porsche? <laughs> oh, man. What do you think I'm going to say on this one, Griff? What is oh, the yeah, people you're gonna thing I'm going to say on this one? Guys, you're you're going to take Ziggy because <laughs> you guys have a date tonight. So, uh, you know, you're taking him out to Ruth Chris. You're going to give him a nice steak. You guys are going to share some potato and asparagus. So, uh, go ahead, man. That, 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 that was a bang for Griffka's hating on, on Ziggy Ansa, but... <laughs> Um, you know, you, the people, everybody thinks I'm going to go with Ziggy. I mean, um, I still think his potential is great, but, I mean, when you're just looking at who would I rather have, I mean, when you're looking at what they did over a career, like Robert Porsche has the better production and the better, like, player on paper. Now, I mean, if Ziggy can ever get it healthy and get in the right situation, like we've agreed, it won't be here in Detroit, but if he goes somewhere else and is healthy and is able to make plays, I mean – he has a higher upside and could have a really nice career. But, I mean, Porsche's already done it. He was a, kind of a centerpiece here. I mean, I'm going to go with him even though, like, I'm a big upside guy and I like to project Grifka on what they might do rather than just rag on them for the when they're not good like you love to do, and that's why I got to hit you with the bell. So, I mean, give me Robert Porsche, but uh, if I'm a GM, you know, I'm, I'm playing the upside card with Ziggy over – you know, a, a flat line standard type production, which is what I think kind of Porsche gave you for all the pub he got and for all the whooping up the crowd he did. I mean, I don't think his numbers were anything stellar over his career. Yeah, I don't even know. You don't even have to ask on this. I'll take Robert Porsche jumping off sides like how he would do every once in a while. I mean, he that's kind of what uh, he notoriously would uh, jump off sides in bad, bad situations. But, uh, I would still take him jumping off sides, at least him being on the field, as opposed to watching Ziggy play, you know, his five snaps a game, then getting hurt with a, you know, mysterious shoulder injury or Achilles or knee or, you know, hangnail or, you know, fat lip or whatever. So, yeah, we don't even have to talk about this one. Robert, Robert Forche, any day of the weekend, twice on Sundays. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm biting my tongue. Let's move on. Okay. Um, now, uh, let's go with this one. Uh Let's go cut back over to the offensive side of the ball. Let's go. Would you rather have Michael Roberts, even though it's only, you know, he's still pretty young or David Sloan. Yeah. I don't know. Everybody out there. I think Griff could like pick these topics just so he could reminisce about what he thinks are the good old days with some of his favorites back in the, what mid eighties, nineties lions. But uh, I mean, I heard about David Sloan. I remember him doing some things, but I mean, if I get a pick, I, I still don't think we've seen very much from Michael Roberts. I mean, I, again, I think he's going to be an inconsistent player. But I think when you look at it, at the end of the day, he's going to be a guy that probably scores more touchdowns than David Sloan, more athletic. 
better blocker, better uh, receiver in different ways. So I'm going to go with my boy Mike Robb, Big Mike on this one, that when it's all said and done, like he'll be the better football player in the in the annals of what we think of Lions tight ends. But I know David Sloan has like his uh, fan club of, you know, I don't know what his numbers were over his career, but I know people will uh, remember that name. But uh, give me Big Mike. Let's go. Let's, Mike Roberts, let's get more active and more into this offense, especially in the red zone. Dang, I, dang man. I know you hate it when I do this. Get the bellow, but I got to agree with you on that. I, I uh, David Sloan, I remember him, and I was happy when they drafted him, but he became one of those guys I would call him Sloan hands just because Sloan riding with stone. I mean, he was one of those guys he would uh, kind of Eric Ebron-esque. He would make a tough catch, but then ones where he would be standing wide open in a soft part of the zone and the ball would hit him in the numbers and then he would just drop it. And it'd be like, dude, what are you doing? And he was a better blocker than Ebron, but uh, I would just like, oh, there's some, there's frying pan hands, there's Sloan. But uh, like you said, I don't think we've, the Lions have totally tapped all the potential that Michael Roberts has, um, especially in the red zone. So even at this point in his career against even at David Sloan, you know, in his prime, I would, I would still take Michael Roberts on, uh, on the Lions. Let's uh, hop back over to the defensive side of the ball for the last couple here. Um, this guy, this uh, guys, these guys I've compared in the past, and you've kind of smacked me down. But uh, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Dre Bly or Big Play Slay? <laughs> oh man, uh, this is a, a closer race and one of your better questions or comparisons right here. I mean, yeah, I love how you say or Big Play Slay. You know, my biggest issue with this guy has been, okay, he's got this fun nickname, but let's name all of his big plays. I think we can count them on one hand, um, even though that was more than when you used to call him that, and he had, like, zero. And I used to rag on him that he never made big plays, even though he called himself that. Um, you know, kind of like my early days as a Lions fan, you know, it was kind of that, you know, mid to late Dre Bly type time where – I mean, it just seemed like every time the Lions were getting a big play from one of their corners, it was it was Dre. I mean, he had the swag. He had the ability to kind of read plays, jump routes, do all the types of things like where he, you wouldn't notice him, and then all of a sudden maybe a pick six or something crazy to get you back in a game. So I love the way Dre by played. I mean, I know we kind of got him, um, you know, not on the – you know, his top of his career, but I felt like his years with the Lions were good years. And overall, I think he probably made more splash plays and just was more fun to watch a little bit more than Slay. So I'm going to go with the throwback. I mean, give me Dre here, even though I've I've come your way saying that Slay's a, a good football player, no doubt about it. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to take Slay. I mean, you know, he's been my boy since they drafted him. And, uh, I always told you he's going to be good, and I think he's finally, you know, reached that that point. And like I said, he doesn't get plays because they don't throw at him, because they're throwing at the other, you know, garbage can that's playing on the other side of the field, you know. But uh, I know was that um, a couple of years ago I always said Slay was kind of high risk, high reward, and you're like, no, he doesn't play that way. And where Dre Bly, that's what he was. He would try to jump routes, and there were times he got burned. You know, I mean is kind of like that gunslinger mentality at the quarterback position, you know, trying to fit the tight window. That's where Bly's like, okay, I think I can get it. High risk, high reward. If he missed it, nobody was behind him. 
you know, the safety wouldn't be back there, and the guy was usually housing it after he caught it. But um, at this point in their career, I, I'll take Slay. I, uh, you know, we prime the career. I, I just, I'm just something I like about Slay a little more than I like Dre Bly. I mean, maybe it was, like you said, for all the times that uh, maybe I'm just remembering, like, the bad times, the times that he got housed on it, as opposed to, like you said, there was plenty of games where you're right. It seemed like the lines were out of it, and Slay or um, Bly would make a play, and they'd be back in it. And but uh, I, I would I'm I'm gonna take a, a slate on this one. And uh, got one more for you here. Um, I realize this one guy's only been with the team a short time, but uh, both could be dominant. You know, you know when they want to be. I think uh, the the one could be dominant when he felt like playing, and the other one, you know, he's just dominant. Where where. Uh, we're realizing that right now, but who would you rather have? Would you rather have Snacks Harrison or Sean Rogers? <laughs> oh man. Now a lot of my buddies that are listening to this are the shout out to the big Hughes who uh, is dialing up the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. I know they were big, big baby fans. Sean Rogers, you know, was just a guy that was pretty fun to watch. Just a huge, big fellow that always seemed to flash when he turned the game on on Sundays. But you got to give me, got to give me the new fella snacks on this one. You know, I already talked about how I love his his uh, mouth guard, his face mask, his how the guy looks nasty in the jersey. When I saw some interviews with him, he just seems like a, uh, a football player the Lions really needed at the position, a guy that will fit really well in Detroit as he grows with the the team, the community, all that stuff. You know, I think overall he's probably has a better you know, better tape, better overall production at this point in his career. Still got more to do. And, uh, you know, to me, uh, I'm just – I'm going to lean towards snacks on this one. But I will never forget Grifka being at Ford Field when Shawnee Rogers picked off that ball against Denver and rumbled and stumbled and dove into the end zone. <laughs> like, just one of the greatest plays of all time as a Lions fan going nuts. I just remember that so vividly in my head. So that was a huge play. He had a couple others, but uh, I think snacks, you'll see that same kind of thing from him or just that down dirty, just consistent football, stopping the run, being real nasty. I mean, he had a play last week where he just snatched the guy and threw him to the ground. I loved it. So I'm going to go with the new fellow, but I know the big Hughes and others uh, love some 92 in the middle back in the black Jersey days for the Lions. Yes, yeah, Sean Rogers was that guy, but when they drafted him, it's just like, oh, great, he was he was injured at Texas. I don't know if he's going to be any good, you know. Uh, but gosh, Sean Rogers could dominate when he wanted to dominate. He was uh, even going back a little farther. Jerry Ball was the same way. Just when they wanted to dominate, it's just like, okay, we'll turn it on. We're, we're going to dominate, you know. And kind of like a poor man's and Dominic and Sue were were Sue, you know, when he was on the lines, he just. You know, he would just dominate when he wanted to. But I would I would go with Snacks simply because what, like you said, I, I vividly remember watching that on TV where Rodgers caught that ball against Denver and, and it looked like he was running out of gas, you know, with, you know, 15 yards yet to go. You know, it's like for some odd, how, I don't know how he made it to the end zone, but I remember Marinelli it wasn't the win this year. It was another year where they were struggling. No, they were no, they were like that got them to like five and two or something ridiculous. They were on a big push with Captain Rod at the helm that year and then they fell off the fell off the wagon right after that. But yeah, I can't remember what game it was, 
but Sean Rogers was like on the team and there was that rumblings and, you know, through the media media that he wasn't happy, you know, he wasn't happy with how, you know, the way, you know, how he's playing, his playing time, blah, blah, blah. And there was this goal line play where he wasn't in there and they ran right at where he would have played and they just bowled over his backup and it was a touchdown for the other team. And the post game, they asked Marinelli, you know, like, how come Sean Rogers wasn't in there? And they're like, well, we have packages, certain defensive packages, and it just wasn't the package he was on. And then they asked us, like, well, you know, he's your best defensive lineman. Why wouldn't that put that package in, you know, to put him in there? And he was like, well, you know, it was just, you know, that's the package we went with, blah, blah, blah. So it kind of almost put, you know, credence to the th- fact that Sean Rogers was, like, lazy and taking off plays and wasn't just happy being there. So, and it seems like I've never heard that you know, snacks anywhere, you know, the Jets, the Giants, he was always going, his plays, you know, like you said, he's he's not a full, you know, three down guy, but he's, it seems like he's the high motor guy every time. It doesn't sound like, he, you know, I've never heard or read anything where like, yeah, this guy takes place off. You know, I know we said that about Nick Fairley, you know, I didn't like him because, you know, I, you know, took plays off at Auburn, but I've never heard that or, or read that on snacks. So, yeah, I'm going with Snacks on this one as well because it just seems like you said he's going to endear himself to the city. The fans are going to end up loving this guy just for how hard he plays. And like you said, that play against Minnesota where he just beat off the blocker and just threw Delvin Cook to the ground. You know, just like he made it look so easy. Sean Rogers could do that when he wanted to, but it seemed like more often than not, he was just like, okay, I'm out here. Okay, you know, uh, okay, okay, I want to play this play now. You know, do something great, but then, you know, you, you'd expect in the next play and he'd be like, you know, six, seven plays in a row, he'd be nowhere to be seen. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Snacks on this one as well. So you tend to... Agree with you, of course. There you go. Perfect. Well, okay, Derek, I mean, I know we brought some of our uh, Honolulu, Honolulu Blue, uh, you know, drinkers, uh, you know, some fun here, reminiscing about the old players that used to be on here and, uh, you know, comparing them to new guys and who we'd rather have. And uh, we broke down the Chicago game. But uh, you got anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? I think we're set, Grifka. I mean, I drank a lot of blue Kool-Aid. You hated on them a lot. And you got to reminisce about the old days, which you talk about every week. And I got to talk about some of the the new players that are going to lead us into the future and and get us to win some football games. So I'm going out on a limb against Chicago and expecting a big W, a big bounce-back performance. And uh, if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll admit it next week. And you're taking the easy way out and saying they'll lose because they've lost the last couple. And if they show up on Chicago, I expect you to uh, humble yourself next Wednesday when we rejoin the people on the Kool-Aid cast. Sound like a plan? Yep, I can go with that. All right, everybody. So let's go Lions. Let's get it together. There's still eight football games left. The record doesn't look good, but winning a game in Chicago will get them to five and four. No reason that they couldn't – play good for the next couple of stretches and then towards the back end of the schedule we'll have a few games that look like they should be light or should be uh, easier coming down that home stretch so everybody hang in there with this football team and you know they're still building you know they're st- still adding pieces here and there but the season's not over and uh, drink that Kool-Aid everybody hope you enjoyed the show we'll be back next week for the Detroit Kool-Aid cast everybody take care and let's go on Sunday go Lions This Sunday, I'm going to give you what you crave, what everybody here craves.
Drink it in, man.